The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 14th chapter. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose their places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, Give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down to the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, in case they, invite, in case they may invite you in return, and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Christ. My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So I want to talk today uh, about that uh, parable that Bernie read for us in the 14th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, which sounds on its surface a lot like um, Miss Manners Etiquette Guide, uh, a Miss Manners Etiquette Guide for where to sit at a banquet. And my task this morning, I feel like, is quite simple. It's to get a little bit beneath that and, and talk about maybe some meanings of this uh, parable, which is made up of a first and a second part that relate to our life of faith today. So the context is Jesus, we're told at the very beginning, is at the house of a leading Pharisee. So someone with, you know, who, who had a high degree of, of importance in the culture and society. And it's almost certain that the people that he invi had invited to this banquet were equally important. It's also important for us to remember that they all lived during a, a, in a kind of culture that was, I think sociologists would call it an honor-shame culture. And so uh, people who were well-regarded, who had honor, uh, were important in the community, and people or people whose families had done something to embarrass them or were filled with shame were less important. And that made a difference in the everyday life of these individuals, where they were on this honor-shame continuum, right? So Jesus goes to the banquet, which he's been invited to, and he's observing all of these individuals, and he's watching them do this sort of social calculus in their head of, well, where am I on this honor-shame continuum? Am I more important than this person? Am I less important than this person? And he watches them sort of figure out where they're going to sit, which places of honor they're going to take. And basically, he says, hey, he, he literally tells this parable to the, the people there. He says, when you go to a dinner party, sit at the lowest seat, and that way, if someone 
less important than you comes, the host will invite you up and all will see how honored you are. And there's sort of, I would call it a bit of a moralizing conclusion to this first part. This is verse 11. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So it's kind of a reminder to be humble, which is fine as far as it goes, but I want to kind of get underneath uh, maybe what is going on in the minds, whether they are aware of it or not, of the people who are sitting there doing this uh, social calculus about where they should be seated. And I think whether they could admit this or acknowledge it, I think part of what's going on is they're coming into that banquet hall and they're asking questions like, do I even really belong here? Does my life have any significance? Does anyone else care if I'm here? And fundamentally, I think they're asking the question all of us ask in one way or another throughout our, our, our lives, which is, am I loved? And, again, whether they could acknowledge this explicitly or not, I think part of what's going on for them is they're thinking, to the degree I can get a higher uh, chair at this table, a better place of honor, that will answer all of those questions for me in the affirmative. My life matters, it has significance. People here care that I'm here, and yes, I am loved, right? Now, in 2022, any of us ever ask questions like that? Come on, people. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for your, someone said yes. All right, and I believe one of, and maybe an important reason we come to a place like this is to get answers to those questions. So I'm gonna answer those questions for you right now. Your life matters. Your life is filled with meaning and purpose and significance. Each one of you uh, has work to do for God that only you can do uniquely in the history of the world. No one before you would have been able to do it and no one after you will be able to do it. And yes, God loves you. Okay? And by the way, it's important to remember that love is unconditional. One way I like to talk about it, it's a quip, I don't know who I got this from, but I think it's helpful actually. Nothing you can do will make God love you more. And the corollary or the flip side of that is also true. Nothing you can do will make God love you less. Now, I am not saying we always do a perfect job or an adequate job of communicating that truth, truth. And I'm also not saying any of us, myself included, ever do a complete job of receiving that truth. I think in this lifetime, we never can fully absorb or receive it, but to the degree we hear those words, God loves you, and we understand them, maybe with a bit of growing uh, capacity with each passing day or week or month or year of our life, then when we walk into these metaphorical banquet halls, what can we do? We can say to ourselves, it doesn't matter where I sit, because I know already before I've even entered into this hall that I am loved. 
Okay? I am not trying to overcomplicate anything. I am simply trying to tell you a basic truth of Christianity, which is God loves you. And it seems to me that we can never hear that message enough. Can I get an amen to that? All right. So that's the first half of this parable, where Jesus is effectively talking to the people around the table saying, folks, God loves you. It doesn't matter where you sit. The second half of the parable, Jesus turns to the host, and he says to the host, again, Jesus had some guts. Here he is at this dinner party held by this high-ranking Pharisee, and he says, hey, Mr. Host, it was nice of you to invite all these people, and we're having a good time, but all these people you've invited have social, cultural, economic, political capital, and part of the reason you invited them, I'm guessing, is that they can repay you in kind somehow, some way down the road economically, politically, culturally, socially. How about, Mr. Host, if rather than invite people like that to your banquets, how about you invite people who aren't high up on this honor spectrum, but are low down on the shame spectrum, who no one even recognizes in our culture, and specifically, the way Luke reports it, We're told Jesus says to the host, how about you invite the crippled, the lame, the poor, and the blind? How about we try to do that? In other words, how about you, Mr. Host, expand the table? How about you add seats at the table for people who don't feel like they belong there? And by the way, if he did that, and it's not recorded, I doubt if the host actually took Jesus up on that invitation, but if he did, and he invited the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, do you think they would have walked into the banquet hall and said, before I sit down, I just have to make sure I'm at the right seat in terms of the honor structure of our day? No. What would they have said? Oh my gosh, I am so glad to have a seat at the table. Thank you for inviting me. Now, my question for us today is, in 2022, at St. Philip Deacon, How are we doing at expanding the table? How are we doing at adding seats to the table for people who may not realize that they also belong here? And I actually want to uh, make an invitation to all of you that I hope will help to exercise the muscles of our uh, invitational ability, let's call it. And I will tell you, I do this with a little bit of fear and trembling. Why? Because in our Lutheran tradition, we are really good, and for good reason, and this is important, we are really good at emphasizing what? God's grace. I've already said it this morning. God loves you. Nothing you can do will make God love you more. Nothing you can do will make God love you less. And so historically, Lutherans have tended to avoid saying to groups like this, and by the way, here's something you can do in your life of faith for fear that it will make people think, oh, it sounds like I have to do this in order for God to love me. Does that make sense? Yes? So please hear me, I'm about to give you an invitation. If you don't do it, God will still love you, okay? Can I get an amen to that? All right, good. Here's the invitation. I want you either to write down or remember in your heads Thursday, October 13th. That's the start of this year's Faith and Life Lecture Series. 
And um, I realize the irony of this, given that we're talking about everyone's equal around the table, but the first speaker is a gentleman named Arthur Brooks, and honestly, he's kind of a big deal. Uh, he is a Harvard professor, he's an internationally respected speaker, and a best-selling author, okay? And you remember how I talked about how um, Jesus said to the host, hey, how about you invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind? some of the people who didn't feel like they were important in his time and place. Well, Arthur Brooks, and I don't think he's gonna talk about this specifically on the 13th, but we invited him uh, to do an interview. I did an interview with him for our next issue of uh, that quarterly magazine, Inspire, which was a wide-ranging interview, and among the things he said in that interview was, the single most dangerous social contagion we are facing today is the epidemic, I included this in the letter of the congregation. Does anyone remember what the epidemic was? Epidemic of? Yes, that's right. The epidemic of loneliness, right? And for all kinds of reasons, Brooks would argue there are people in the world today for whom the answers to those questions aren't quite as positive, who aren't sure they make a difference who aren't sure their life matters, who feel alone and isolated and unloved. And so my invitation to all of you uh, is come on October 13th. And by the way, you don't have to come in person. I hope you will. I know there are people here this morning who won't be able to because they are from other places. So join us virtually if you can. But here's the important thing. Also invite someone else, someone who may be feeling alone or unloved. Invite them to join you either at your house, watching digitally, or here in the sanctuary, and I promise you, if you do that, it will result in some wonderful conversation. You'll hear a challenging, interesting, engaging talk. And here's the thing. Even if the person you invite isn't able to join you, they will know something very important. They will know that someone cared enough to invite them to a place at the table. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Loving God, here in this place, we once again hear how much and how deeply you love us. I pray you will help us to receive that message today more fully and more completely, and importantly, I pray you will help us to share that message with others. In all this we pray in the holy name of Jesus. Amen.